Every day we are so inspired by all those friends who have awesome communities and share interesting content. But behind those communities, we have people, really creative people, community managers, who work every day to raise the bar, trying to offer the best experience to all their members. Connect Dots is a podcast about those connectors, their journey, the main learnings, and of course, mistakes. So, community Padawans, welcome to Connect Dots. For our first episode, we have the honor to have as our guests, Laís de Oliveira, the new program director of OnDeck Community Builders Fellowship, who recently launched a book, Hacking Communities. A must read for all of you boys and girls who just like me are really, really passionate about this industry. A really interesting conversation we had about the Hacking Communities book and some of the frameworks that you can use to hack communities. We talked about Lay's journey and what defines her as a community builder, her mission on on deck and her predictions for the future of the industry. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. Don't forget to subscribe for more content and let's connect dots. Action. Leish, welcome. Thank you so much for joining Connect Dots Podcasts. I'm really honored and proud to have you as my first guest. Really, really, really honored. 12 years of experience from Brazil to more than 35 countries. Someone who believes that community building must be act. Muito obrigado. Thank you so much. Let's start by... Thank you for um, having me. Tell us, tell us a little bit about you. Who is Laís? Who are you as a community builder? But let's start more on the, on the personal side. Okay. Who am I? I love asking people that question and now I'm getting my own medicine. So it's like, <laughs> it's a trap. So first thing to mind, I'm an entrepreneur. And that was actually a long way for me to figure out that's what I feel I am. That's how I identify myself. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a creator because I like imagining things and turning them into reality from a piece of bread, from a bread making to pizza making to jewelry making to, so you could also say that I'm a maker or an artist or whatever you want to call it. I'm someone who likes to imagine things that do not exist and okay. make them happen. And I found that one of the things that I love to create is connections. I find invisible dots, invisible nets that connect people, connect dots, by the way, okay, is good. the name of the podcast. And I figured that building networks is actually a thing. And I found, I found that over my career in living and sniffing my path, feeling what feels good and finding what I could where I could add the most value to the world. And I learned that I have both this ability to imagine like a very bright creative imagination, even too creative at times, I can be an overthinker in the negative side. <laughs> and, but also someone who is very active and likes to create things okay. that I have imagined. When, when you I were a child, become, when you yeah. were a child, what was your dream? Many things. I actually wrote poetry as a child and I thought I would become a writer and publish books, which is still some part of my dreams. I did publish a poetry book, which I won't share with anyone. 
Okay. I tried to keep it secret. And then I published Hacking Communities, which is another book. I also wanted to be a biologist because I've lo I love animals and I want to just be able to work with animals and take care of animals my full time. And I also wanted to be a nun, which is about the only thing I knew of spiritual at the time. I knew that I wanted to follow something spiritual. And later in life, I learned I did not need to be a nun, especially a Catholic nun, to become a spiritual person. And I'm still on that path. So as a child, I had these weird dreams. And okay. I've always it's been not, a, it's a not, hyper... It's not weird, yeah. you know? It's like you don't have limits. So I, like, yeah. it just thought... One day I want to be like, I want to write poetry. I want to become a biologist. So I can see that's, that uh, somehow resonates with ecosystems. Okay. Okay. I'm kidding. Yeah. And it's but... Also, <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, there, I mean, there, it's all about, I think the animal part is more about the kindness component of it. I just finally, as an adult, decided to finish writing a book and publishing it last year. And I okay. just adopted a puppy, a border collie puppy. And I think I'm still on my spiritual path. So I think that in weird ways, in different ways, I'm fulfilling my childhood dreams. And as a child, I would also be hyperactive. I loved cooking. So I think I just like being hands-on. I like, I'm very creative, but I like best when my creativity aligns with my hands and my job. So I like making things happen. So that's okay. who I am in a nutshell. Okay. And... Yeah. As a as a uh, community builder, do you think that somehow your like your past, of course, your experience defines you, but somehow, uh, like wishing to be like writing poetry, wishing to be a nun, wishing to be a biologist, defines you uh, somehow today, Leish, as a community builder, or it's just your like near past experience that defines you who you are today yeah i think again as you said in the opening of this and i like how the dots are connecting in this very conversation <laughs> community building is an act of building communities you are not a community builder by title like oh i, beca I became the gm of this large corporation or i became the director of this school in community building either you build communities or not Either you help people or not. Either you bring people together or you don't. And what defined me as a community builder was not myself, but was the act of bringing people together consistently. And since like 2007, and one day I moved to Malaysia and I continued to do that thing I loved doing. And I had called it talent management when I worked for an NGO, had called it leadership, had called it many things, marketing assistance. And then in Malaysia, someone said, oh, because we need more community builders like you. And I just listened to that and said, that sounds important. I have no idea what that is, but I was like, I was having a meeting with this Malaysian government officers. And I, yeah, that's totally true. I can totally help there. That's what I am. I'm a community builder because that felt special. But I think that community building is the name we are giving to this ancient art which has become relevant again because we took community for granted. Yeah. We belonged in villages, in our small towns. In Portugal, I like to say that you have the infinite, how do you say that in English? Al contrario, the reverse infinite. The, yeah, the opposite. Uh... In the other way, like, because the more you drive in, inwards in the country, you find a village inside a village inside a village and another village in another, yeah. like, there's an infinite, like, in the other way. So 
we had that coziness from villages, but our generation, and it's been a long time, our parent generation maybe moved to big cities and belonging is not what it used to be, but it still matters. So community building suddenly became from something that we knew and we thought it was normal, something that we need to reinvent. And that's where community builders come. And that's where I was recognized by someone as a community builder as a, and as someone who's needed. But the art of being a community builder is the art of just constantly wanting to help people add value, contributing, and creating an environment of abundance in which others feel like doing the same, like sharing food, thoughts, knowledge, ideas, and they feel safe and at home to be themselves and to speak up and to share. Because sharing is a hard thing to do if you live in a place where you're, you feel threatened all the time that someone might want to kill you. So community building is about creating those safe spaces through activities, events, whatever you do, content. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's it. So just, I think just, that's just like what I do, not not necessarily who I am. Yeah, yeah. You had just dropped the mic moment and just sharing thoughts. You gave a very good definition of what a building community is. But if you let's let's just pick up some keywords, if it's possible, because I know that you love to 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 talk and extend and explain what you're saying. But yeah, with keywords. How do you find yourself as a community builder? We, we will talk about what makes a community builder, but that's different. Now, because I'm talking with Leish, what defines you in keywords as a community builder? As in nouns, like key concepts? Yeah, yeah like uh, okay. I mentioned, I'm creative, I'm, I'm okay, passionate, okay. I'm loyal, I'm... Okay, I'm empathetic. Okay. I am, I care to feel that people are happy around me. I care to feel at home myself. I care to be authentic. I'm not saying notice, I'm not saying I am because it's journey, <laughs> but I care to be authentic. I care to fulfill my purpose and I care to see to be around people who care about fulfilling their purpose and i care to make sure that as many people as possible in the world do that and i think community is the way so i care about feeling good and making sure people feel good around me because when people feel good around me i feel better i feel restless if people are i don't like being in environments where i know someone is angry mad unhappy hungry and i get angry at that but i think I got to take action about it instead of complaining. Uh -huh, okay. So it's hard, but sorry, I could not keep it short. I wrote a book, <laughs> that's why I wrote a book. Because I have a lot to speak to people like, oh, you talk a lot. I know. So I wrote a book. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, let me, let's just give some, some, let's just go like, I don't know, five years, six years ago, because before you starting your community building journey, I got to know that you sold the business. Tell us a little bit about that. What was the name of the project? What was the mission? And why you sold your business? Yeah. So starting a business is something that sounds super fancy. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's really yeah. cool. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not always like that. So let's start from the end. I sold 8spaces.co to flyspaces.com because I wanted my company to thrive and continue to be a marketplace for creative workspaces. 
which is what I created, like an Airbnb for workspace where people could optimize a space which looked beautiful, well-designed as an event space. It could be even like, it could be a cafe, a restaurant, a home even sometimes, a hotel. So basically I would, I would have an eye to find places that were like, that had high potential for workspace or okay. co-working space. And I was, I started listing them on my platform and it eventually became a boutique platform for creative event spaces. Main, my, most of my clients were like corporations looking to get their employees out of the office for trainings and workshops. And this included Heineken, even Google, they have an amazing office. I don't know why they booked us, but apparently we had better places, spaces for them. KPMG, Unilever. So these were my kind of clients. Even Swarovski, it was fun. Wow. I sold it because at the time I was a solo founder. I had made a bad investment decision. I had went down a road with investors who were good people, but had their own issues and promised me to invest a seed of 300K, which is good for Malaysia. And I would... And plus development, plus marketing. And down, I was down a road where I was bootstrapped for like over a year. And nine months after I had engaged them with that promise, my product development was delayed by two months. The cash had never come in and I was still bootstrapped. I even sold cheese bread to make money living in Malaysia, which is a Brazilian thing, on occasion. Yeah. So I decided to sell my business when my largest competitor came about wanting to partner. At first I shut him down. I was like... Okay. Let me know how can I help you if any way. But anyways, we continued talking and it turned out that I saw his profile was opposite, like 180 degrees different than mine, like completely the opposite, very business driven, very numbers driven. He was a rocket internet kind of guy. And I just felt that with him, eight spaces would persist as a platform, as a scalable business model. So in a nutshell, I made a bad investment decision. Later on down the road, I learned my investors did not have the money they had promised. They were still fundraising from LPs. So I decided to drop that deal and get acquired so that eight spaces wouldn't die. Otherwise, I would have to go. I would have gone down the consulting path. I was consulting for placemaking at the time, along oh. with selling cheese bread to keep the baby alive. So for the, for the purpose of keeping it alive and growing, I sold eight spaces. So it's not necessarily a glamorous story, but I think it's important to be told. And I made my money back and I'm very proud of selling the business. And the relationship did not last long because we had very different ways of running business. After a year, I quit five spaces. And it's important to say though that eight spaces are meant to be merged and absorbed by five spaces. And in fact, I haven't really checked in the past months, but until a few months ago, eightspaces.co was still alive as its own platform because it was a very strong magnet that uh -huh. fed leads to fly spaces. So they kept it as a marketing strategy that made money. Okay. And partially because I know that I've been speaking for 10 minutes, I'll just wrap it up this there. Eight spaces started because I was hosting, building communities very actively in Malaysia hosting events three times a week, like 10 times a month, and with people coming and having people host events. So everyone would come to me and ask for venue advice. And everyone would come to me and ask for co-working space advice. And everyone would offer me a free event space because I was hosting so many events that attracted people, which is placemaking in a nutshell, yeah. building community for places. Okay. So I started listing it in a spreadsheet. And by willing to give back to people, I found a business. 
And I so so one, one thing one thing led to the other. So because you yeah. were organizing events, you said, okay, maybe there's opportunity here that lets you to create your business. So yeah. organizing events, maybe I'm not sure, but you were in Malaysia, right? And yeah, Malaysia. when when did your journey as a community builder start? So you were involved with Startup Grind, right? Yeah, so officially in the terms we define community building in the startup world, it started in 2012 okay. because that's when I started hosting Startup Grind as a director for Buenos Aires, the chapter in Buenos Aires. Okay. I hosted like 13 events there and then I moved to Malaysia and immediately started the chapter in Malaysia, which led me to quit the job I officially moved to Malaysia for and stick with Startup Grind KL, Kuala Lumpur, within six months, worked for the Malaysian government as a community ambassador and joined Startup Grind headquarters as the APEC and Asia, APEC and Africa director wow. to expand community. <clears throat> so that was my journey starting in 2012. And all that led to it was basically joining Startup Grind and joining the accelerator in Buenos Aires and XTP Labs, which led me to join Startup Grind. But I'd say my journey as a community builder started back in school. I mean, I was always not the party organizer because I was a nerd, but I was always the science fair organizer. I was always the bazaar organizer. I was always the the food event organizer, the rep the student rep, the director of the academic center for press. I was always outside of the classroom okay. doing stuff that involved organizing people. And I, I led an NGO for two years and over actually over two years, but in Argentina, Chile, and Uruguay for two years as talent management and then president, talent management VP and then president for three countries, 2,000 volunteers. And volunteers, I'm talking about culture because that's the only way we had to manage people. Like, it's not about telling them to do stuff and they'll do it. It's about making them feel like they want to do it and help each other and be in that environment. So in a nutshell, I think my journey started at least in 27. And if not, from high school. <laughs> Well, so we would, we would say that you have, well, around 12 to 14 years of experience and yeah. um, trying here to connect the dots that led you to write a book last year. So a book that uh, you recently uh, released, so Hacking Communities. Um, yeah. We, like, we see, for example, on Twitter, like everyone is talking about, for example, no code. Every, everyone is talking about, like, life hacking, biohacking, and now you come with community hacking. What, what's, what's community hacking? What's, what's the, the strategy? What, what's the concept behind hacking communities? I'm, I'm, I'm aware that this will soon become buzzwords, but I'll say it anyway. It's about designing interactions that accelerate serendipity. Doc. That means building trust through encounters, through recurring encounters. And then the rabbit hole goes deep. Goes deep because first you gotta think about, there's a framework about attraction, engagement, and commitment on how do you get people from not knowing you to becoming familiar with you and to committing and becoming part of you. And by you, I mean your community. It's about telling your story and defining your core and I'm talking about here, your core is in purpose, mission, core values in such a way that other people share 
that and feel like we're presenting you, feel represented by you and feel like we're presenting you. It is about engineering serendipity through interactions, which I call, so serendipity engineering for me is a very practical framework, which implies hosting recurrent events on a cadence, keeping them consistent to your core, cohesive to your core, and in a cadence to make sure that people collide, the more likely, that, so it's literally like particle theory for humans. Not every collision will be successful, but the more people collide, the more likely there's a successful collision. And their role as a community builder is to host what I call meals. And I just call that as an acronym for miscellaneous entertainment, action and location. And I call meal because I like, I think food is the major point of connection for humanity yeah. since the beginning. <laughs> And, and it comes from the metaphor of a friend of mine called Hugh Mason, who said once, community building is like the turkey in the Thanksgiving dinner. We get together to eat the turkey, but what re really matters are the connections around the table. Yeah. So yeah. meals are the, the, the direct relation here to the, the they're the turkey concept. I just didn't want to call it turkey because I have a lot of vegan friends. I was vegan for a long time and kind of currently I'm flexible, <laughs> which is the problem. That's Let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so meals is about like, so it's about bringing people together consistently to make sure that to create safe spaces where people feel like they are familiar with each other. And by building familiarity, you build a sense of trust that enables people to share anything. So community building on the trust about sharing anything. Hacking communities is about designing those interactions that build trust over time and accelerating serendipity, which is actually yeah. what I'm doing right now in my current job yeah. <laughs> at on that. So I remember that you talked with a conversation when you launched, when you just launched your book with, I, I think it was the conversation with uh, Derek, uh, Derek Anderson. You said, so you mentioned that you really like uh, Renee Brown and because he talks a lot about vulnerability. So yeah. it's a community building is somehow creating a, a space where people can be vulnerable, talking about really specific topics without having the fear to be judged. So that's that's what you're talking about, right? And yeah, something that I know, so your journey started in 2007. Now we are in 2001. You launched already a book and- We are 2021, FIA. 21, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah. you recently- <laughs> You recently were challenged by, I believe, Eric from OnDeck to be the program director of a community builder fellowship. And I don't, yes. and I know that there, one of like the keywords, it's engineering serendipity. Yeah. What's your main goal on that? As a program director, what you're looking for? Because now again, buzzwords, community-driven startups, community-driven companies, what's the purpose we know already, but you can talk about that, the purpose of On Deck. But what's what's your mission? What's your purpose being the program director of the Community Building Fellowship? Yeah, no, very great questions. And the first thing is aligned with my goal when I wrote Hacking Communities. When I've done basically anything I've done in life was to get people's inner potential out. But now I decided that I can't do that for everyone. I can do that with engineers. There's other people who can do that better, but I can do that for community builders because I identify myself as one. So I believe in that resonance concept. And I talk that, about that more specifically in hacking communities. And I found in the on that community builders program fellowship, the opportunity to unleash the talking about buzzwords, everyone's inner community builder to level up 
community building as a science, as an art, continue to evolve on its frameworks and helping define replicable models that help people leveling up their skills, but also leveling up their persona as a community builder. So my purpose at the core is to bring everyone's inner community builder out to its highest potential. The challenge here is really that it's not only about a framework. And even when I started writing hacking communities, I was starting like, okay, so I've learned this thing. I've, I've built myself frameworks. I was consulting on those frameworks and people were like, yeah, you need to put that out. You need to share this with more people. And I was using it for placemaking. So I decided to write the book to kind of like share my knowledge. And I thought it was about a framework. And then I moved to San Francisco and experienced the most excruciating level of loneliness I've ever experienced in my life and figured out that even though I was a great community builder, I was not immune yeah loneliness and isolation which is not the same as social social isolation very careful that loneliness is about not feeling safe where you are it's about not feeling that someone's got our back it's about feeling that you cannot be your true self so that's more about being uh, fitting in which what Brenna Brown defines as fitting in aligns with loneliness from my point of view which is not true belonging so you would so say that's my... you would say that on on deck like your mission your purpose is for just to people be their like best version as community builders so yes. let them understand how can just raise the bar in what regards community building yes. but having someone saying do that don't be afraid i got your back yes and the fact is that we need to be in the right uh, I'm going to sound like a hippie right now, but I'm going to say this word, vibration, to be a good community builder. It's okay. not about the framework. So one, one side of that is super left side of the brain. I want to level up frameworks. I'm bringing in 100 in each batch. In the first batch, I'm bringing in 100 community builders, people who are actively building communities, who already have demonstrated traction. They are, uh, I'm going to talk about community-driven businesses a little bit later. But basically, I'm bringing in uh, people who are building businesses around communities or building communities with a great business model that can scale, that can grow, or that can go very deep in its niche and be high impact. And I'm bringing this work together to share knowledge, feel safe, back each other's, and also level up by A, sharing knowledge, and B, the more like emotional side of it is getting the right mindset. Because one thing I found is that to build a community, you gotta be the first to dare to be authentic. And this is where Brenner Brow comes in. You gotta dare to be authentic. You gotta dare to give first, be abundant. You gotta dare to be humble. You gotta dare to be the one who knows your goal is to make yourself obsolete eventually. And make sure that those connections remain, even if you get hit by a truck. Sorry for the metaphor. <laughs> but just like, you should not expect to be important for the rest of your life within your community. What makes a community magical is its ability to grow grassroots. Yeah. And that sure. remain that means evolving in your roles and knowing that other people will take up roles and that you will spread your core like dandelions, which is the metaphor I use. So, I mean, what I want is getting people not only with the frameworks, which are always evolving and improving and we're defining concepts together and staying on top of everything that's on platform stack for community building, but also leveling each other up in terms of energy, right mindset and core values, which are abundance, yeah. authenticity and humility and service, of course. That led, led, that led me to, and before going to the, to the last question, that reminds me of something I remember saying on, like on, on a Slack channel, 
Rosie Sherry saying that because someone asked, what's, what's your community stack? What's the platforms, the tools that you use? And I remember Rosie saying that more important than the, the, the platforms and tools you use, it's how you use it for the purpose. What's the value that those tools will, will add to, the, to your community? Somewhat, and somehow that resonates with what, with what she said, which is like more than just sharing frameworks, let's help them leverage and, yeah. and raise the bar in what regards community building. Yeah. A final question. And I know that you love, you, you told, you, you said that you use the word already, metaphors. I know that you love metaphors. And I know that you are a part-time jewelry maker. <laughs> final and like funny question. Uh, so sticking with the metaphors and as a part-time jewelry uh, maker, you believe that community, community building is a diamond that needs to be polished so what are the predictions? How you see this diamond community building, community-driven industries in the future? What are your predictions? That's a funny question. <laughs> I first gut feeling is that no, but then I had a second thought and I'll explain. What the, so the first thing is that I don't think uh, even though I use terms like engineering serendipity and particle theory for people, I think that community building is more organic than scientific. So I stick to the idea of like organic metaphors that do not involve mental process of cutting and polishing and making sure that the more cuts, the more shine it has, sparks, uh, which is the process of polishing. I think that's very calculated. And I think that the act of community building is less calculated, is partially calculated, but less calculated than organic. At the same time, I do believe that, yes, the frameworks, the replicable models that we are taking as a baseline for people to take that and adapt, as Rose said, adapting how they're going to turn it into reality to the community, that is a more, that adaptation is more of an organic process, but that creation of these frameworks and polishing of the frameworks, I think it's a diamond. So yes, I think we are all, the knowledge in a nutshell, is what we are we're lapidating here, what we are polishing here. And the rest of it is trusting the diamond to be whatever it wants to be. And I like communities to be raw in a certain way. And I think that when you think about lapidating something too much, if you think about the community as the diamond itself, I think it does not apply because it's not you who dictates how much is it gonna shine. It's a natural process. It's like the pressure of carbon on the carbon itself. It's not you yeah. to control that. So in a nutshell, you just create the environment and let you, you select the tools, you know, you use frameworks to improve how you create connections, but you also gotta let them be. Like making bread, like surfing, like anything that involves nature, people are nature, so you can't control and let date the community itself. So that's wow. my... That's yeah. an incredible way to, uh, for us to, to finish. So Leish, again, really honored to have this conversation. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that you could stay here like for at least yeah. three more hours, but I know that you have a meeting. Again, really honored. Thank you so much for what you're doing as a community builder. Lots of work, uh, sorry, lots of luck for your new challenge or on deck. Seriously, I will, I'm watching you because you uh, share really interesting and inspiring content. And Thank you again for being our first guest on the Connect Dots podcast. Muito obrigado. 
Thank you very much for having me. Have a good day in there. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you.